Welcome in, everybody, here on a Friday, getting you ready for the weekend, which is going to be a huge weekend out here at Riverwind and a huge weekend for the Oklahoma baseball team. Hope your Friday is going along well so far. Our first hour, as always, brought to you by our friend Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405 579-3113 if you need your AC unit service because, you know, it's a, that's your starting pitcher right there, your AC. You don't want to have to go to middle relief and call in like, you know, ceiling fans or a portable fan. You need your starter to go the distance this summer. And if you're a little bit worried about the arm strength or the strength of your AC, well, give uh, Tim Lasher and the folks at Lasher Home Comfort Systems a call uh, they will help you out, get somebody out there to get it uh, tuned up for you, 405-579-3113. We are about one hour away from the first pitch today in Omaha, the Sooner baseball team, first uh, College World Series appearance since 2010. This will be Oklahoma's 11th overall trip to the college world series but again haven't been there since 2010 the sooners have won two national championships 1951 and we talked about that 94 team a lot yesterday well we'll see what this 2022 team can do today one o'clock first pitch on espn taking on texas a&m jake bennett will go for the sooners on the mound and oklahoma comes in red hot they won the regional in gainesville florida taking the Gators out of their home field, and then they went to Blacksburg, Virginia, and took out a red-hot Virginia Tech squad on their home field as well. So, Connor Pasby in with me again today. Uh, Parker's going to be back with me on Monday. Connor, what do you think? What's your level of optimism for this OU team? Well, first of all, I'm jacked up for this matchup. It's been a patient week just waiting for OU A&M. But, man, I think if we get a strong outing from Jake Bennett, I think we can do some good things today. And if those OU bats, if they can stay hot, they'll be in good position. Yeah, and the OU bats have been hot. Uh, We saw what happened the other day, and I thought it was so huge for Cade Horton to be staked to that early 2-0 lead against the Hokies. You got uh, Peyton Graham and Jake Bennett. Uh, You know, Jake Bennett uh, on the mound today could use some of that kind of help again like he got uh, when you're talking about uh, Peyton Graham and Tanner Treadaway, what they did early in the game to give uh, a little breathing room to uh, Cade Horton right off the bat. So Jake Bennett could use that kind of start from the OU bats today as well. So here we go, Oklahoma and Texas A&M, 1 o'clock on ESPN, first game of the College World Series in Omaha today. And uh, it's going to be fun to see how it plays out. We have the U.S. Open going on. We'll tell you what's happening there. We had the Warriors uh, winning their fourth NBA championship in the last eight years, thanks to a great effort from Steph Curry, who was the uh, NBA Finals MVP. Six of 11 from three-point range, 34 points. Uh, I kind of thought the Celtics would find a way to send that series back to the Bay Area this weekend for a Game 7, but not enough from Boston last night. They got off to a hot start, uh, and then the Warriors went on that 21 nothing run in the second quarter, kind of never looked back from that point on, and they end up winning the game again, 103-90, to to win a championship last night. Number four for uh, for Steph, for Clay, for Draymond, for Andre Iguodala, and uh, no doubt the Warriors, uh, you know, just had a great playoff run. And uh, I know a lot of people were saying, oh, the Warriors, see, they could do it without Kevin Durant. Well, we already knew they could do it without Kevin Durant. 
And, uh, you know, that's just a, that's a well-run franchise that has uh, restocked for their second run uh, because they are the favorites, according to Vegas, heading into next year. But let's get back to Sooner Baseball. Uh, they met the media yesterday. I love Skip Johnson's laid-back attitude. <laughs> he's such a – first of all, he's a really good coach. And I just love when he's on with Toby or you hear his post game. He's so laid back, man. And this was his opening statement. They asked Skip Johnson, Coach, would you like to make a few remarks, you know, to start the press conference? And here's what Skip Johnson had to say in a very Skip Johnson kind of way. Welcome, and it's a beautiful day that the Lord hath made, and we shall rejoice in it. I mean, it's a beautiful outside, got to practice. Um, the biggest thing, see what the stadium uh, looks like. It looks really good. Uh, it's a lot like a big league stadium that we got to play in before. Looking for the opportunity, come to uh, Omaha and do what we do and uh, uh, have fun doing it. And really proud of our kids. We're just a team uh, full of David. So uh, uh, basically about all I got to say. <laughs> that is so good. That is classic Skip Johnson. I love that laid-back attitude. But, man, he's done a great job with his team. There were some people doubting, you know, this Oklahoma baseball team. What were they, sixth, I think, in the uh, Big 12 preseason poll? And, uh, you know, they had struggled a little bit, you know, just past the midway point of the season. And people are thinking, man, well, when is this baseball program going to get going and really make a run? And, you know, they just turned it completely around. They're playing with a lot of confidence right now, a lot of belief. And, uh, you know, they just have everything going for them heading into this College World Series. Because when you look at what they did in that game in Blacksburg, I thought they were awesome. I mean, you know, you get out to the early 2 nothing lead. Horton pitched great. He was unbelievable. Uh, the defense was great. You look at what happened with uh, the Pettis catches out in left field or Robertson's play. Uh, also outstanding, and again, the pitching was tremendous. Cade uh, Horton was great. Uh, Trevin Mart comes in and does an outstanding job as well. So uh, this was a uh, this is a team that uh, right now I think truly believes that they can go out there and get this done. They uh, they, in peaked, Omaha. they so, peaked at the most perfect time late in the year, and they got they got set up with a tough regional in Gainesville with Florida, and then mm-hmm. that comes with Virginia Tech and the Super Regional. So back to back. Really tough series against Florida and Virginia Tech. And, man, they're just on a heater, and they hope to keep this thing going. Yeah, and, and again, I think that uh, that road's as tough as anybody. I, Notre Dame had to go to Tennessee and win, and, man, that was a very popular win for Notre Dame because Tennessee, outside of Knoxville, I'm not sure how many fans that program has. But, again, you just looked at uh, what Oklahoma did again on that Sunday – uh, when you talk about the pitching with uh, Horton starting pitching, Trevin Michael coming in to uh, close it out for Oklahoma, and then uh, the hitting, the defense, a little bit of everything for the Sooners. Speaking of the OU players, let's hear from Peyton Graham and Tanner Treadaway, who say no doubt they are ready to play on this big stage. Oh, it's awesome being where your feet are. It's, it's amazing. i uh, been here, I don't know, 10, 11 years ago watching the games, and now I'm here playing, and it's pretty neat. Uh, couldn't be more excited. Yeah, this is this is a dream come true for sure. Um, I mean, I was just watching it as on TV, you know, as a kid. I mean, I've never been here before, um, so that this whole experience has been unbelievable. And uh, 
I'm, I'm excited to play in front of 25,000 people. I think I'm looking more forward to that and that adrenaline rush, and, and uh, I'm just excited. All right, 1 o'clock, first pitch on ESPN, the Sooners and Texas A&M, the first game out in the 2022 College World Series in Omaha. Hey, it's a huge weekend here as well at Riverwind Casino. It is the 2022 Coop Aleworks Beats and Bites Festival, show number two of the season. We had a great turnout. Uh, Shay and I, my wife, and, uh, you know, we had family out with us and some friends out with us to watch the first show out, which was Starship and Night Ranger, and they had an unbelievable crowd, a record-setting crowd for the first show. And this is great music, outdoors, kids under 12, get in free, bring your folding chairs. They'll have all the food that you can imagine with all the best local food trucks here, retail vendors, games for the kids, a lot of things to do, and some great music. And we have three bands on the Beats and Bites stage tomorrow night, Everclear, Sister Hazel, and Deep Blue Something. It's going to be a heck of a show. Uh, you want to get outdoors, man? How long did it feel like we were cooped up? Forever? Yeah, it did. And uh, I think people are ready to get out again. I know, like I said, they had an overflow crowd, a record-setting crowd for that show. Uh, the first show with Starship and Night Ranger. Should be another good crowd again tomorrow night. Everclear, Sister Hazel, Deep Blue Something on the Beats and Bites stage at Riverwind. And, again, uh, all the best local food trucks will be out, the kids, activities for the kids uh, as well. Retail vendors, you can do a little bit of shopping. And if you need to cool down a little bit, you can come right in here to the casino, win yourself a jackpot. So Riverwind's always got a lot of great promotions, a lot of great activities. It won't be too long before uh, eventually we'll also have shows back in the Showplace Theater. But for now, man, Beats and Bites is a great option for you. And, again, show number two of the season is happening this Saturday night. They have two great shows in July, Randy Rogers Band, July 9th. Fireworks show to follow the Randy Rogers Band on July 9th, and then July 30th, Scotty McCreary on the Beats and Bites stage to round out the season. All right, thanks again to Tim Lasher and his company, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. AC tune-up, any heat and air work you need done, they'll do it for you. They've been uh, locally owned and operated now for 15 years in the Oklahoma City area. You know Tim Lasher, what a great sooner he was. Well, his company is just as great, 405 507-9-3113. All right, let's get the text rolling in today as well. 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439 of the Air Comfort Solutions text line. And I want to talk about this when we get back, Connor, because I know Plank talked about this a little bit, but there's a word out there that Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, uh, sent out a request to all the schools, current SEC schools and future SEC schools, i.e. Oklahoma and Texas, who they would prefer to play, you know, in this, whether it's the 1-7 or the 3-6 format. I think there's a lot more support for the 3-6 format uh, with future scheduling in the SEC, but we'll talk about that also when we get back. It is Friday. I'm Mike Steely along with Connor Pasby. Parker will be up at 2 again today uh, with Teddy doing that shift. And we'll be back next week uh, to our normal situation, uh, at least during our show, with Parker in. And uh, I think Tyler is going to be back from vacation as well. So, anyway, hope you're having a great Friday. Let's talk a little sooner football when we get back here on The Ref. 
Okay, back with you on a Friday edition of Steelman and Thune at noon here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Mike Steely along with Connor Pasby. And again, uh, Parker will be back with us on Monday doing, uh, you know, the gig at 2 o'clock again today. And again, uh, Omaha, man, 1 o'clock. We're about 40 minutes away. Jake Bennett will start the lefty for the Sooners. Uh, and taking on Texas A&M in the opening game of the College World Series for 2022. Okay, looking at uh, the U.S. Open, what's happening at Brookline? Man, it was a rough day for Phil yesterday, and it's been a rough day for Phil today as well. So, uh, man, this has been a very interesting uh, leaderboard so far. When you look at some of the names, you're like, what? Okay. Uh, Nick Hardy is tied with Scotty Scheffler, Colin Terran, David Lingmurth, and Rory all at three under par. Joel Damon also at three under par. So you got a huge tie there with six players tied for the lead at the U.S. Open. Rory will be teeing it off here in about five minutes, by the way. Um, and then looking at some of the other uh, notable players, uh, John Rahm is just underway. He's only two shots off the lead at one under. Brooks Kepkes had a nice uh round and round two he is at even par tied for 23rd three under today finished with his round dj plus two today he's at even par tied for 23rd patrick reed still out there today he is at even par and uh he is tied for 23rd justin thomas uh not as good today shot two over he is plus one for 36 holes he is obviously going to make the cut but he's in a tie for 37th bryson DeChambeau, one hole left he's tied for 45th at plus two uh taylor gooch is going to miss the cut unless the cut moves uh one over today plus five tied for 91st victor hobland had a really bad day victor hobland uh shot 77 and he's going to miss the cut he will miss the cut at plus seven and phil is still out there with a few holes left uh, was out there as part of the morning wave today. Phil, uh, eight over yesterday, three over today, plus 11. It has been a disaster for Phil Mickelson. So that is what's going on right now at the U.S. Open at the Country Club in Brookline, Massachusetts, outside Boston. By the way, we have a couple guests for you. Jacob Niffin's going to join us in the next segment. We are six days away from the Oklahoma City Thunder and the NBA draft in Brooklyn. And the Thunder, remember, uh, traded their final first-round pick to Denver for Jermichael Green and future draft picks. And one of the reasons why is all the first-round picks are guaranteed. So I don't know that the Thunder could have gotten anybody that was going to make a huge difference at 30 when you're picking second and 12th if the Thunder stays in those spots. I do think they'll stay at two. I don't think they'll stay at 12. But you didn't want to have to pay three guaranteed contracts. So... Uh, we'll talk to Jacob Niffin about what's going on. A lot of rumors about the Thunder moving up and moving uh, Lou Dort to move up. The Lou move up move. Uh, is that going to happen? Will Lou Dort stay with the Oklahoma City Thunder or will he be dealt away? I do think it's going to be Chet Holmgren with the second pick. Uh, if it would be Jabari Smith, I'd like that even better. You re- really can't go wrong with those first three when you talk about Jabari Smith from Auburn, Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga, or... Paulo Bancaro from Duke, all I think are really, really good potential superstar players. Okay, 
But I want to talk about, uh, I don't know if you heard the conversation, uh, Connor. I know Plank was going over this a little bit. But allegedly, uh, Greg Sankey has asked members of the SEC, current members and future members OU in Texas, administrators, you know, talking about this format, whether it'll be one common opponent and then you rotate uh, to one and seven, or three common opponents, you rotate six, who would your preferences be of being your regular opponents that would be, you know, in your rotation? And uh, apparently asking for their top five choices. And I think it's pretty obvious for Oklahoma it's got to be Texas, number one. You don't ever want to break up that rivalry. You don't ever want to move that rivalry out of the Cotton Bowl unless the facility absolutely falls apart. And there have been times when we've thought, well, maybe it will fall apart. But they've tried to update it as much as they can. But it's got to be played there. It's got to be played at the State Fair forever, please. It's got to stay there. Nope. You, can't, you can't change any part of that rivalry right there. But if it's the no, three, if it's the three six model, I would probably go Texas A and M. And my third option would probably be up for grabs. Either maybe you could throw Arkansas in there, Texas A and M, and Arkansas throw you. Well, I listed five: Texas number one, and uh, but I think that's a given. I mean, the SEC is not going to do anything. I mean, that, that would be like breaking apart, you know, the Iron Bowl or. You know, Florida, Georgia, something like that. It's not going to happen. The Egg Bowl, you know, any rivalry you're not going to mess with. And Texas, Oklahoma is one of the top three, four rivalries. To me, it's number one. And it's number one because the quality of the programs, even though Texas has been down, but the atmosphere puts the icing on the cake. You know, I've never been to Army-Navy. I've never been to Florida, Georgia. And I know Florida, Georgia is a split uh, stadium, you know which is great, but they don't have a state fair right there next to the stadium. Army-Navy, I think, though, when you talk about national pride for, you know, everybody in the military and how much we appreciate uh, our servicemen around the world, and it's so cool to see the, you know, the cadets out there and, you know, the Naval Academy and, and the flybys, and it's just a it's a feel-good game. That would be a great atmosphere. Well, especially especially since Texas. it's uh, the only game on that Saturday when everyone else is off, so everyone's watching it. So yeah. that's pretty iconic, too, the Army-Navy. No doubt about it. But I went Texas 1. I put Arkansas second. Then I went with A&M third. Number four, I went with Bama. Why not? I'm, I like look, it. You're, you're going to get to 12, maybe even 16 teams down the road. So, again, uh, people, I, I don't know how you feel about it. Some people may think, man, that's too much. you got Texas. Um, I don't want LSU in the rotation. I mean, in this, uh, you know, in the 3-6 format, you're going to play everybody every other year in that format. Uh, and you would host, you know, every, every school once every four years, right, in that format. But I don't want – I want to keep LSU as far away as possible because I don't like their fans. I'm not, I'm not a fan of the LSU fans. They, uh, they are the worst. So I went with Texas 1, Arkansas 2, A&M 3, Bama 4. And then I just thought, who, what would be a great trip? What would be a cool school? And I went with Ole Miss number 5. I like what that. What if you went to 4 I like and 5? How would you go? I would go – man – I'll I'll probably go Auburn and Ole Miss. 
I think those two are up for grabs. I think it would be awesome to go down and play in Auburn and Ole Miss. So I like those two right there for the four and five. I wonder what the non-conference schedule is going to look like once you get into the SEC. Oklahoma's slated to face Georgia, right? Not this next year, but the year after, um, you know, which is going to be very interesting. But if you're playing uh, nine conference games, and obviously you have three non-cons left, but how, how frequently do you see a game against Ohio State or Florida State or Miami or whoever when you're playing that SEC schedule? Does that downgrade it a little bit? Because you're usually going to have a cream puff and maybe a – a middle-of-the-road team, and then occasionally you're going to go to Columbus or you're going to go to Tallahassee or somewhere like that. So I wonder what the future scheduling is going to look like in that regard. But, yeah, since the um, yeah since we'll, the SEC schedule is going to be so tough, we'll see what the non-conference schedule looks like. And if, Be- if Bedlam continues on, which it's still doubt about that, so I'm not sure what mm-hmm. – if Bedlam's going to be thrown away or if we're going to keep this thing going or what. Yeah, and that's another question because if Bedlam, you know, stays on somehow and becomes a non-conference game, I mean, Oklahoma State's a pretty tough non-conference game, right? You're you pr- yeah, you're probably going to get a, you're going to get a rank, you're going to get a rank most likely get a ranked opponent. Yeah, in Bedlam, yeah, every year. So it's man, it is going to be so much fun to watch these new matchups down the road. It's going to be really cool. Okay, we are here at Riverwind Casino tomorrow night. It is the second show of Beats and Bites 2022, the Coop Ale Works Beats and Bites Festival. A great time. If you haven't been out to one of these, they're really cool. Bring your folding chairs, bring your ears, and bring your appetite because all the best local food trucks are out here and some great music tomorrow night on the Beats and Bites stage. Everclear, Sister Hazel. Deep Blue Something. Individual tickets are only 5 bucks a piece. You can get them online at riverwind.com. Riverwind.com. Also, kids under 12 get in free. Retail vendors, food trucks, great music, outdoors. You'll have a great time. The first show was great with Starship and Night Ranger. This one will be great tomorrow night as well. And if you're headed out to the casino, you can also get your tickets uh, at the box office right over by the Showplace Theater. Okay, we're going to break right here. Coming up, joining us on the Riverwind call-in line when we get back, Jacob Niffin knows the Thunder, knows the NBA, the uncontested podcast. We'll talk NBA draft. Will Lou Dort be back with the Thunder? We'll get into that when we get back here on The Ref. Keep it here. Okay, back with you on a Friday edition of Steelman and Thune at noon. Mike Steely along with Connor Pasby. A lot of things happening. The Sooners about uh, a little less than 30 minutes away from the first pitch in Omaha against Texas A&M, uh, the first game out in the 2022 College World Series. Jake Bennett taking the mound for Oklahoma against Texas A&M here again in a little less than a half an hour. Okay, we are looking at the NBA draft being only six days away. This is a colossal, gigantic, King Kong, Godzilla-sized draft for the Oklahoma City Thunder. It feels like this is where you, when you turn the car around. You may not get you know up to top speed next year, but you're moving in that direction because the Thunder finally got the, uh, the hoop god smiling on them to get the second pick. And they will now be picking 212 and 34 
on uh, next Thursday night when the draft uh, rolls around in Brooklyn. Jacob Niffin joins us. The Uncontested Podcast does a great job covering the Thunder. Jacob, my first question to you is pretty simple. Will Lou Dort be a member of the Thunder after next Thursday? Man, Steely, you're coming out of the gate hot here. It's a great question. My assumption would be yes, but everything that we're hearing so far is that the Thunder are going to be aggressive, trying to trade up from that pick 12, probably to get in that 6-10 to range. And the most valuable, tangible asset they have, an actual player, I think it's Lou Dort. They're not going to trade Shea. They're not going to trade Josh Giddey. And the next one in line is Lou Dort. Now, yes, they have tons of draft picks moving forward. They could dangle those in trades as well. But for teams like maybe Portland or Washington, who would want a player that can help them on the basketball court right now, I think Lou Dort is the most likely candidate. But it's so hard to predict a trade actually happening. I think if a trade does happen, Lou is involved. But I don't know if a trade actually materializes for the Thunder on draft night. Yeah, and the whole thing is you've got to have a dance partner, right? Uh, you've got to, you know, you can get on the dance floor and kind of look around, but if nobody wants to dance with you, that's kind of what the question is, uh, I think, for Oklahoma City next Thursday night. If we believe all these stories that Oklahoma City is being aggressive and trying to move up, who are they trying to move up to get? Is it Shaden Sharp? Is it Ben Matherin? Is it somebody else like Usman Jing? Who do you think it is? Another great question. The two names that we've really heard connected to Oklahoma City throughout this process is Shaden Sharp and Jaden Ivey. Both of those very interesting uh, guards. I think Jaden Ivey is more of a on-ball guard, whereas Shaden Sharp uh, could possibly play the wing for OKC. I would assume it's for one of those two. That's where all the smoke has been. People like to reference, you know, you never know what's going to happen with the Thunder. They never leak things. But we knew the pick was going to be Poku two years ago. There was a lot of smoke out about that. Uh, years before that, Cameron Payne promised OKC at 14. We kind of knew that going into the draft. I think there's something here, with especially the Shaden Sharp stuff. His advisor is the same guy who advised Shea Gojus Alexander before he came to the NBA. Uh, there's the University of Kentucky connection. Shaden actually said today in media availability, that his first workout was with the OKC Thunder. Uh, I think the Thunder have a lot of interest there. So if they were to trade up, my guess would be that it is for Shaden Sharp, who is falling to that 6-10 to 10 range. Uh, Shaden Ivey, I, just, I don't think they're going to be able to get, even if they are interested. And then the other name I would look out for as a trade-up candidate for OKC uh, would be Jeremy Sohan out of Baylor. Yeah, Sohan, that would be interesting, obviously, when you think he was born in Guymon and raised in England and, you know, the, the crazy hair at Baylor, and it's uh, an interesting prospect for sure. Yeah, I didn't even throw Jaden Ivey out there because I didn't think Oklahoma City could get that, that high to get uh, Jaden Ivey. Maybe they could. Who knows? They do have a lot of assets, but uh, Shaden Sharp uh, would be a possibility, but who knows with Sam Presti, you just never know. You'd hate to play poker with him, that's for sure. Okay, if they stay at 12, what are you thinking for Oklahoma City at 12? 
there's so many interesting options there, Steely. Like, I look at that that mixed bag of wings that are there in the mid to late lottery. You have guys like Johnny Davis out of Wisconsin. We mentioned Shane Sharp. I don't think he'll fall to 12, but that's a possibility. You got A.J. Griffin out of Duke. I don't think Ben Matherin is going to slip that far. I don't think Dyson Daniels is going to slip that far. But one of those wings you would think is going to be there at 12, I think that's a very interesting possibility for OKC, a team that really does need some help at that, that wing slash forward position and really needs shooting. Uh, another popular name that's been floated out uh, a, a lot amongst national folks would be Usman Jang, the 6'10 ball handling forward that is originally from France, played this last season in New Zealand and the Australian League. He kind of has, I think, like a little bit of Poku, a little bit of Baisley to him in a sense that he can handle the ball a little bit. He's a really good passer, not super physical, doesn't like to get to the rim too much, uh, but has a very nice pull-up three-point game. He struggled really bad in the first half of the season over in Australia. Second half, he really came on. But you want to talk about your whenever you, you try to put Presti-type draft picks in a box, you look at long, rangy, a little bit athletic, uh, versatile, high IQ, typically overseas candidates. Usman Jang checks all of those boxes, and he's super young. I, I still believe he's only 19 years old. He kind of checks all those boxes that you think of when you think of a recent Sam Presti pick. I wouldn't be surprised if he's been played there at 12 either. He did media availability on Thursday with NBA media uh, and did not disclose who he has worked out for. So we don't know if the Thunder have been looking at him, if they have brought him in yet or not. But I would be surprised if they hadn't. Jacob Niffin, our guest, uh, does a great job on the Uncontested podcast covering the Oklahoma City Thunder in the NBA. All right, so at 2... Uh, what do you think? The percentage chance it's Holmgren, and percentage chance it is uh, Jabari or Bancaro. Yeah, that's a really difficult one. Everything that we've seen is pointing to Jabari Smith Jr. to Orlando and Chet Holmgren going to OKC. We even had some news come out yesterday that there is an assumption that Chet Holmgren and his camp would like to get him to Oklahoma City. I think that means a lot as well. He he is the prototypical Sam Presti draft pick. He, if Sam Presti could make a guy in a lab to draft, I think it would be a guy that looked a lot like Chet Holmgren. I'm putting the odds right now at probably about 60% Chet, 35% Jabari, just because I don't think Jabari is actually going to go number two. I think he'll get drafted number one. And 5% Bancaro. Uh, I like Paulo Bancaro a lot. I just don't know if that is who Sam Presti would select there at number two. I think Paulo definitely will be available at two. I just don't think that's going to be the route Sam Presti went. Uh, I keep referencing these, these draft media availabilities. Paulo met with the media this morning, and in his about 10 minutes of media availability, really only talked about the Houston Rockets. The Houston Rockets recently made a trade to get rid of their big man Christian Wood. That opened up time and space in their front court. I, at this point, I would be shocked if Paulo Bancaro isn't a rocket come a week from now. All right, Jacob, before we let you go, uh, give me your realistic, I mean, not total fantasy home run scenario for Oklahoma City 
uh, next Thursday night? Oh, the home run scenario. I am going to go at least for two and 12, very high upswing home run type of prospect that if they hit, you could have a multi-time all-star on your team. I'm going to say they take Chet Holmgren at two. I'm going to say a trade does materialize to get them up, maybe to Portland at seven, uh, maybe to New Orleans at eight to get Shaden Sharp. Uh, I think future draft capital, maybe a Lou Dort is involved in something like that. I think that would be the, the perfect home run. We're taking the swing trying to get the next quote-unquote guy in OKC. Both those dudes need some time. They're going to need a long runway to, to get ready and play NBA basketball. They probably won't be actualized for two, three, four years. But this is why Sam Presti has amassed all of these draft picks. This is why they have so much young talent on the roster. It's so whenever they see an opportunity to strike at something that Sam Presti believes is gold, they're going to take that swing. So I'm going to go Chet and Shane Sharp. And then at 34, I think they're just going to go the highest floor, not super high ceiling type of player. Uh, kind of like a Jeremiah Robinson Earl from last year. Yeah. Yeah, and they drafted very well last year. There's no doubt. I, You know, I like that scenario a lot. That sounds like a, a big-time win for Oklahoma City next Thursday night. And the absolute uh, grand slam hit it out of the park uh, scenario will be somehow if they could move up high enough to get uh, Chet and uh, Jaden Ivey. Now, that would be awesome. But uh, Shaden Sharp would be <laughs> more than okay with me as well. All right. Hey, Jacob, you do a great job. We will talk to you again soon. Thank you. Hey, appreciate you, Steely. Have a good one. Thank you, Jaden. Jacob Nippon uh, joining us on the uh, Riverwind call-in line, 405-329-9000. We're here at Riverwind Beats and Bites. Show number two is coming up for this season uh, tomorrow night. Everclear, Sister Hazel, and Deep Blue Something. Tickets are available to you at riverwind.com or at the box office. They're only 5 bucks a piece. Let's take a break. We'll get back, get some texts in. When we return, Mike Steele along with Connor Pasby. We are about 15 minutes away from the first pitch in Omaha with Oklahoma and Texas A&M. We'll keep you updated on the uh, U.S. Open Golf Championship. Jump into some Sooner football. Brandon Drum will join us next hour. we got a lot of stuff happening. Keep it here on The Ref. All right, we are back, ladies and gentlemen, here on a Friday. Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439 and the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Connor, let's get there and get a couple in before we have to break at the top of the hour. Sooner baseball, about 10, 10 minutes away from the first pitch in Omaha. What do we have? From Big Bad Wolf, my opinion is that trading up for inexperienced rookies is taking a step backwards. Lou Dort has playoff experience. Yeah, may very well be right there. It's a little bit of a risk. You've got to really love that player that you're moving up to take. One of the issues is they're going to have to pay Shea. They're going to have to pay Josh Giddey. And they're going to, you know, uh, Chet Holmgren, if he turns out to be the kind of player they think he's going to be uh, down the road, if that's their pick, and it probably will be at number two, it's going to be very costly. You can't keep everybody. They have Lou Dort on a really good deal right now. There's no doubt about that. And, look, Lou Dort, is a, he's an elite NBA defender. He's getting better as an outside shooter. He can help somebody. There's no doubt. But sometimes it may be Big Bad Wolf all about 
looking at the future and who you think are going to have to pay and what your cap situation is going to look like. It's really good for Oklahoma City right now. But uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out next Thursday. He does what have else, that. Connor? He does have that playoff experience. But I mean, sometimes we've seen the inconsistent scoring. So maybe Presty's thinking, "Hey, if we can move up to that seventh pick, we can get a consistent score to help out right away." We mentioned Shaden Sharp, Ivy from Purdue. I haven't seen anyone mention Keegan Murray from Iowa that could maybe be potential candidate if the thunder do make that move to seven yeah yeah and uh, he he might fall that i think uh you know because a lot of talk has been about portland at seven um and i sharp could be there ivy probably wouldn't be there but um it's just going to be so much fun next i can't wait till next thursday night it's going to be this is just so gigantic for the oklahoma city thunder it feels like again uh, you know, the ship was sinking for a while. All the water's been bailed up, you know, out, and uh, you're starting to float in a positive direction. But a lot of it uh, depends on what happens Thursday night. And, again, Chet Holmgren, maybe he turns out to be another Nikola Jokic. I think he's actually more athletic. Jokic just has such great basketball IQ and, uh, you know, basically can run their offense. But if Holmgren, if that's who it is at number two for Oklahoma City, he turns out to be an all-star, you've got, um, you've got a team. And, again, it, if it's Sharp or somebody else, it just feels like Oklahoma City is on the path back. Well, if, if, you, path if, you back. Na- if you nail these picks, you are back on track for next year. But we can get to another text. Uh, Jerry from Jinx, you got it wrong. If they continue Bedlam, it will be OU that finally has a tough non-conference game. He said, fixed it for you. <laughs> it is, you know, I would love to see Bedlam continue. I understand uh, that might be tough for a while, uh, but, man, you know, for Oklahoma State, look, you've been in OU shadow in football for a long time. Oklahoma State has one of the greatest athletic programs in college sports, and OU has a great one too, but the Cowboys have won a bunch of championships in other sports as well. Uh, but, you know, the monster in this state is Oklahoma football. And OSU, Mike Gundy's done an excellent job. And they have a great chance to be the new dominant program in the new Big 12. So maybe you just think, you know what, screw OU. We don't want any part of OU. Let's go do our thing. You have you have a chance to take over the Big 12. I know the records don't show a big rivalry for Bedlam, but, man, we've had some big anticipation recently every year because both teams are usually ranked in the top 25 were played later in the year so that game is extremely important for both teams i really hope they continue this on but it's still up in doubt so we'll find out yeah and uh, feelings were hurt no doubt and uh, that was you know it was kind of like when uh, when mule shoe hit the ou fan base you know from behind with a two by four over the head OU in Texas did that to the rest of the Big 12. So maybe it's a little karma. That That is karma. That is karma. With OU, right? Because I get it that uh, people were upset because those are your bell cow programs in the league that bring the most money into the conference. So, But it's a new uh, age of college football on the way, not only with uh, realignment, but clearly the NIL and the transfer portal. Um, I'm hoping that we fix – the NIL deal in some way where it, it doesn't get completely out of control and there's a more of a regulated situation where it's not, 
you know, this is cool in this state, but it's not cool in that state. Um, it needs to be kind of a level playing field. Now, it never will when you've got NIL money involved because certain boosters are going to pay more than others. Certain uh, groups are going to pay more than others. I get that. But it just feels totally like the wild, wild west right now. So feels anyway. that way, and we need some boundaries very soon before this gets way out of control. And there's so much, you know, in terms of legality involved, you know, you can't cap what a person's going to make and things like that unless there's some collective bargaining situation that happens, and I don't know that that will happen. But let's just not – let's just hope that we don't mess up our best sport. I know a lot of people like the NFL nationally, but around here people worship – College football. You can ru- you can okay. ruin some other stuff, but please do not ruin college football. No, do not, do not. Okay, here at Riverwind, we have another hour to go. Next hour, Brandon Drum, two four seven Sports, OUinsider.com. Big commitment for the Sooners. Denton uh, running back Caleb Hicks committed to Oklahoma earlier in the week. Sooners now have seven in their class for twenty twenty three. And moved up to number 27 nationally with uh, potentially more on the way. So we will talk to Brandon coming up here in just a few. Actually, it's about 35 minutes away. But to me, that's a few. It's Friday, right? It's Friday, and the Sooners and the Aggies getting underway here in just a minute in Omaha. All right. Thank you, Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort System. Stay with us here on The Ref. We have another hour to go. Yes, 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 it is Friday. Are you ready to party on a Friday? We got the Sooners in Texas A&M getting underway at the College World Series. And if you're ready to party this weekend, Riverwind Casino is the place to be. Not only on a Friday night, come out here and have a great meal at uh, one of the great restaurants, Chips and Ales, Pub Restaurant, or at the River Buffet. They've got a great food court. And I love all four of the choices at the food court. Panda Express, Burger King, Taco Bueno, and IHOP. That covers everything, pretty much, right? And they're all uh, good choices. Uh, So anyway, but tomorrow night, it is show number two of the 2022 Coupe Aleworks Beats and Bites Festival, the outdoor concert series here at Riverwind. Show number one was a blockbuster, Starship and Night Ranger. A Night Ranger tweeted out 10,000 fans on hand. It was a record setter, and uh, Shay and I went out, took our folding chairs, had a great time. I had the world's largest corn dog and uh, some nachos and some lemonade and some caramel popcorn. I had a little bit of everything from the food trucks. Here to tell us about the show tomorrow night, our man Colin uh, from Promotions here at Riverwind. And, uh, man, that was about as good as it gets in terms of the first show, in terms of crowd, and people were ready to get outdoors. Yeah, we started out strong. I think that's the biggest crowd we've ever had. It was great. It was, and uh, we enjoyed it very much. And uh, three bands sharing the stage tomorrow night, and this is going to be fun as well. Tell yep. us about tomorrow night. Yeah, tomorrow night we've got Deep Blue Something, Sister Hazel, and Everclear. So the gates will open at 5, and Deep Blue Something comes on at 6 o'clock. Then at 7 o'clock, we'll have Sister Hazel, and around 8.15, Everclear will take the stage. And Everclear was here last year, so we've got them back. Happy to have them, and it's going to be a great show. Yes, it is. And you have the best local food trucks here and a great variety of foods, and you've got retail vendors. Tell us about the food trucks that uh, people are probably familiar with, but they want to know they're out here. 
Yeah, we've got a bunch of food trucks coming back this time, too. A few returning from last time, some from years past. Um, some of the big ones we've got is MMP Concessions, Carnival Eats and Treats, The Wondering Pig, Campus Rag, Chef Ray's, um, Dippin' Dots, Flavor Train, Mr. Yeti's Shaved Ice, and Newman's Firehouse. It'll be a bunch of good ones. That is going to be, it's a great variety of foods out here. And again, retail vendors will also be out here. All the great craft beer from Coop Ale Works. You've seen the Coop Ale House here inside Riverwind. It's a spectacular bar. And all those uh, Coop Ale House favorites they'll have for you out there as well uh, coming up tomorrow night. And then we've got two big shows in July. And we also have the fireworks display on July 9th with the Randy Rogers Band. Yep, July 9th we'll have the fireworks with Randy Rogers Band. And July 30th we've got Scott and McCreary. Um, all of these shows are just $5 and kids 12 and under get in free. And it's going to be a great time. That is a bargain. Five bucks, I, you know, I, I felt like I was stealing seeing Starship. And I go back that far, you know, all the way back to Jefferson Airplane. But Starship and all those great songs and Night Ranger uh, brought back a lot of memories. And for five bucks to see two bands like that, I know they're a little older and they're, they're towards the tail end, but they still, they still put on a great show. And, again, we're talking about Everclear, Sister Hazel, Deep Blue Something, and uh, for five bucks, that is a bargain. Yeah, it'll be great entertainment and great family fun. It will. Uh, Riverwind specializes in that. Colin, you guys do a great job. I appreciate you stopping by. Yeah, thanks and, for having uh, me. Absolutely. And uh, you guys in promotions with everything I do out here, the streaming show, you're so good to me and so professional. I appreciate you guys a whole lot. We Thank appreciate you. you, too. Thank you. Colin from uh, Promotions Marketing, they do a fabulous job here at Riverwind Casino. All right, uh, Connor, are you fired up? We're about ready for the first pitch in Omaha. I am fired up. Man, we haven't started this thing yet. It seems like every big sporting event we have, we just start about 20 to 30 minutes after. But, man, let's get this thing well, going. Well, you got to get those spots in, man, right? You, you, the first thing, you got to do the preview, the scene setter, and, uh, yeah, it's – but at least we're just a couple minutes away, it looks like, from the first pitch. So, uh, you got Jake the, you got the, the gray, for Oklahoma. You got Jake Bennett, you got the gray pinstripes, which looks absolutely amazing out there. So, man, let's get this thing going. Yeah. Sooner fans are ready, and uh, what a day. We've got uh, Sooner baseball getting underway here in just a second. And Omaha, first trip to the College World Series since 2010. This is Oklahoma's 11th overall trip to the College World Series. They've won it twice. Last time in 1994, we talked about that team with uh, Ryan and Damon Miner and Mark Redman, Bucky Buckles, Rick Gutierrez, Rich Hills, Chip Glass, Tim Walton, Russell Ortiz, Darvin Trailer, Kevin Lovinger, Jerry Whitaker, Javi Flores, Kenny Gajewski on that team as well. Larry Koshell was in his fourth year at OU, and the Sooners beat a Georgia Tech team again that had Nomar Garcia-Para at shortstop. Jason Veritek, who spent 14 years in the big leagues with Boston. Garcia-Para, 14 years, uh, nine of those in Boston. He also played with the Cubs. He played with the Dodgers. I think he finished... With the athletics, if my memory's correct, you had Jay Payton on that Georgia Tech roster. That was a talent-loaded team with a lot of pro prospects, uh, and the Sooners won that national championship in 1994. They also won in 1951. Okay, so we await, again, uh, the first pitch in Omaha between the Sooners and Texas A&M. 
What did you think of the uh, NBA game last night? I kind of thought Boston would come out and play a little bit better. They got off to a great start, but uh, maybe it was wishful thinking for me to think we were going to get a game seven this weekend. But what showed last night is that the Warriors have been there and done that, and the Celtics, again, maiden voyage, well, for this group pretty much. The Celtics have won many a championship, but, for instance, Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum's a young superstar. He's a great player, but he did not have a good series. And look at what happened to Steph Curry a couple games ago, right? Didn't make a three. Broke that long streak, went 0 for 9, and then last night came back, made six. They felt like they were all big, and uh, Golden State wins the game 103 to 90. So, they built that Again, they built that 20-point lead in the third quarter, and it was, count, it was kind of just too much for Boston, Tatum, and Smart. But, man, the dynasty that Golden State has built, they kind of had a bad year last year. They turned that around and win their fourth title in eight years. Yeah, it looks like the Warriors are not going anywhere just when we thought they were done. They're still here, and they're still winning. Yeah, and uh, I, I like it for Steph and Clay. It's it's weird. Uh, I still like Clay Thompson, despite Clay Thompson putting a dagger in Thunder fans' hearts, collective hearts, uh, in that game six, you know, back in the uh, Western Conference Finals. Even Andre Iguodala said after the uh, Warriors went on to win uh, that championship that, man, should have won a championship. They should they should have won a championship. But uh, talking about the Thunder, but... You know, Durant and Westbrook, they didn't do a good job closing that night, and Clay Thompson was spectacular. And I, I don't know if it's I feel sorry for him because of some of the uh, the injuries he's had, but and I I don't know. I The only thing I haven't really liked about Steph, of course, well, let me take that back, because when Durant was out there, I'm just petty and shallow enough to have hated the whole team just because of what Kevin Durant did. Yeah, that's a bit, that's but, a big one. The reason why I guess you could say you hate Steph Curry was because, yeah, he was with Kevin Durant for that year. But, I mean, I've always been a but, big Steph guy, and same with Clay Thompson. You know, and the thing is, though, uh, before that, uh, I, I was a Steph fan. The only thing I didn't like was the uh, gross chewing on the mouthpiece stuff. That, st- that still, dri- that still left, drives me insane. I, was, <laughs> I know, I know. But, man, the guy, like I said, he's kind of been the Harry Potter of the NBA. The guy's he's a wizard, and um, some wizardly wizardry on display last night as he uh, put in 34. I tell you, who a real hero in this series was though too, Andrew Wiggins. He was, Andrew Wiggins yeah, was he, tremendous uh, defensively, man, t- especially. Yeah, he's gotten a lot of kind of crap towards him for his lack of play at the Timberwolves, but when he's when he's gotten to when he's got to Golden State, he's been just a big piece for them and big piece in that starting lineup for them. He's unselfish and keeps hitting shots, doesn't force anything. Yeah, so he was a big part for them in that NBA Finals. No doubt, yes. And he, uh, again, I think, uh, you know, he was so highly recruited and, uh, you know, when he was at Kansas, got a lot of attention and, uh, you know, his – it ended up being a good situation uh, for Golden State because, like I said, defensively he was really good in this series. Also, they were able to re- he was able to rebound the ball uh, effectively in this series. And, again, Golden State wins its fourth title in the last eight years. So uh, 
the Warriors again already being made the favorites in Vegas for next year. And, you know, bottom line is that is also a well-run franchise. There is no doubt about it. They got the they got the right okay, pieces. Sooners. Yeah, they got, they got the right pieces and the right coach with Steve Kerr. He's done an excellent job building that dynasty. All right, Oklahoma and Texas A and M just underway in Omaha as the uh, Sooners and the Aggies go at it. And uh, we want to thank our sponsor for hour number two. And we'll get back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. By the way, here in just a few minutes. Next segment. That's 405-651-3439. Thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. You need a great deal in a vehicle, car, truck, or SUV? Think about Exit 72 in Paul's Valley and the Seth Wadley Auto Group. Not only will they find you a great vehicle, but a great deal and great service after the sale and, again, the great guarantee, oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. That is a heck of a deal. All right, the Sooners get, uh, it looks like, uh, was that a leadoff walk, Connor? Yep, uh, leadoff walk. From, yep, Spikerman walked, and you got uh, Peyton Graham up now. There you go. So we're just underway in Omaha. Spikerman, again, uh, a leadoff walk, and now Peyton Graham at the plate for the Sooners. The Aggies in Oklahoma first came out in the College World Series. Okay, break time right here. We'll come back. We'll head to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439, 405-651-3439. An interesting question I'm getting on Twitter about Sooner football. We'll get into as well. Brandon Drum coming up, recruiting and more Sooner football at 135. We'll keep you posted on uh, the Sooners in the uh, College World Series and uh, what's happening at the U.S. Open. All that coming up. Keep it here. Back with you on a Friday here at Riverwind Casino. Mike Steele along with Connor Pasby. Parker will be on at 2 o'clock again today. We've uh, switched the lineup around this week because uh, Tyler has been on vacation. So far, so good for the Sooners. A one nothing lead against A&M in the uh, top of the first inning. Two outs now. Uh, Blake Robertson uh, grounds outfielder's choice, but it scores Spikerman, and the Sooners lead one to nothing. And uh, they still have Peyton Graham aboard at second base now with two outs. So Sooners, uh, Connor, get out to an early lead in this one, and that's uh, what you like to see, obviously. Early lead, you can ask for a better start, but uh, yeah, that Peyton Graham single to right, it looked like a hit and run. They got Spikerman all the way to third. And that's what OU's uh, has the advantage over some of these teams in the College World Series. They're really good on the base pass, and I yeah, keep hitting with runners in scoring position. So you can't ask for a better start. One nothing here in the first. Yeah, and let's see if they can get uh, Peyton Graham home here with two outs. This would be, uh, you know, obviously big. A&M trying to get out of this jam and uh, only allow one run in the first inning. So, again, Sooners 1, Texas A&M 0, top of the first inning in Omaha. You want to get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. I want to answer one que- a couple questions first that came to me on Twitter and one on text. Uh, Steely, I love when you compare and contrast things when it comes to Sooner football. Who is... 
in your opinion, the all-time underrated wishbone backfield? Well, I don't know if you're talking about one backfield that played together, but I, uh, I'm i going to go with, see, again, it depends on if you are talking purely about, all right, A&M gets out of the inning. There, there's a lot of there's a lot of good wishbone offenses. Yeah. So I don't know if there if there's some that I mean, are can underrated. I, can, can I put can I put some IJP Ryan as a uh, wishbone uh, halfback or something? Because if I'm looking at, I would go Steve Davis at quarterback. Again, uh, he wasn't as good as Mildred. Uh He wasn't as good as Jamel, um, but it wasn't as good as J.C. Watts, talent-wise. But he won two national championships. As you can talk about the talent he was surrounded by, and it was outstanding. But Steve Davis was a heck of a, a heck of a quarterback. So I'd go Steve Davis, uh, David Overstreet at halfback because he was always overshadowed by Billy Sims. And like Billy Sims, uh, who was the number one running back in America out of uh, Hooks, Texas, David Overstreet was one of the top three or four uh, running back recruits in the country. He came out of Big Sandy, Texas, and uh, was the number one back in Texas for sure. So um, fullback, wishbone fullback, underrated. Um, I don't know. Could you say that Lydell Carr was underrated? Jim Colbreth maybe? Um, We talked about Wayman Clark, and he only had really the one year, but uh, he he was a 1,000-yard rusher. I would go hmm, Leon Crosswhite, maybe on that 71 team. Steve Davis, David Overstreet, Leon Crosswhite, and then you got to come back with another halfback. Got some tough hmm. decisions, Mike. I know, and then I'm racking my brain here. Like I said, when you're older, uh, you know, sometimes the brain is on dial-up and not on Ethernet. Maybe a guy like Patrick Collins, because uh, I don't think Spencer Tillman was underrated. Patrick Collins was a speedster. All you had to see was him racing down the sidelines in that uh, that game in Lincoln that Oklahoma won. So I'm going to go with Steve Davis, Leon Crosswhite, David Overstreet, and Patrick Collins. That's the best I can piece together for you. That is the best I can piece together for you on short notice, Brian. All right, and one other. Somebody asked me, Steely, is there any name in OU history that you think is even close to contesting General Booty? Um, Elvis Peacock. Peacock, yeah, Peacock's a good one. Elvis Peacock is a pretty good name, but I still, uh, I would still lean towards General Booty. And uh, Elvis Peacock came out of Miami, played for the Sooners in the seventies, and was a really good player. So I'm going to go with Elvis Peacock would be the closest one I could think of. I may be forgetting some other names. Yeah, I think we're forgetting some. I can't out. I can't think of some others right now, but, I mean, General Booty has to be up there and on top of all the names. I mean, it, it might be the greatest name in sports history. Particularly, now, you have to go out and do something first, right? And I'm not saying General Booty needs to go out and start or he needs to go win a – you know, be, become this incredible Cinderella story and go to, like, New York City and win the Heisman or anything. But if General Booty even has to come in in relief, you know, and leads a comeback, you know, against Iowa State or something, who knows? And let's not forget, 
I think, lost in the uh, hype of General Booty because of the name. Davis Bevel is also there now. You know, and they got him from Pitts through the portal. You know, and Davis Bevel's an interesting name, but again, it's not General Booty. Someone from the so, 918 said Dr. Death. Yeah, but Dr. Death is more of a nickname, right? Dr. Death is a nickname. Steve Williams, yes, absolutely. Dr. Death, man, lost him way too soon. But, uh, you know, good football player for OU. Not a great one, but a good one. And I still, my biggest memory, though, of Steve Williams is when he got pinned by Mitch Shelton and uh, Gallagher Hall before it was even Gallagher Iba back in the day. And I don't know how we got some from the 405. I don't know how we forgot uh, Buster Rhymes. Buster Rhymes is a good one. Buster Rhymes is a good one. Another Floridian, no doubt. But I think when you just talk about the, to me, Elvis Peacock's still better than Buster Rhymes. And whether you're talking about Buster Rhymes or Busta Rhymes. But General Booty's hard to beat, really hard to beat. Dr. Death for a nickname is, is definitely up there. Yeah, it was the uh, the Bedlam wrestling match. Steve Williams was the heavyweight, and was it, it was Mitch Shelton. I was wanting to say Lonnie Shelton, but he played for the Sonics in basketball. <laughs> it was Mitch Shelton, and he was one of those heavyweights that was uh, – he was ultra heavyweights. And if you leaned in the wrong direction and Mitch Shelton got on top of you, we, you probably weren't going to escape or get out. And I just remember the uh, that place went crazy when he pinned Steve Williams back in the day. I would, I would definitely be frightened to hear Dr. Death before I even start a match. I would probably be scared to even fight, and I'd probably call it and just walk off. But Dr. Death Steve Williams, a name from days gone by and a classic name. Okay, but, yeah, um, I don't know. I, the, that was a tough one just off the top of my head, uh, underrated wishbone backfield that you could put together. And, again, I go with Steve Davis, Leon Crosswhite at fullback. Because I, Kenny King wasn't underrated. I, Lydell Carr wasn't underrated. Um, Jim Colbreth, I guess you could say. But, uh, you know, I, I'm just trying to think back to that era. Um, David Overstreet, to me, was underrated, and I know we lost David Overstreet way too early in a car accident, and he had just come over to play for the Miami Dolphins, if my memory serves right. He had played in the CFL with the Montreal Alouettes. In fact, I think he played in Montreal when they had Vince Ferragamo um, playing for the Montreal Alouettes. Vince Ferragamo, who once led the – Rams to that Super Bowl where they lost to the Steelers. but So Steve Davis, Leon Crosswhite, Patrick Collins, and David Overstreet. I don't know if I can give you an underrated wishbone package, but I can give you the best, most dynamic wishbone package counting any era. So in the 2000s, some of those guys can come back for the wishbone. I would go Kyler Murray, Adrian Peterson, Billy Sims, and Marcus Dupree. That's my dynamic wishbone package. I would have loved to have seen uh, Kyler Murray run the wishbone. That that would have been cool. That you, would he would really probably cool you put see. that to perfection. K one would. I, I think he would have been pretty good. Yes, no doubt about it. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, it's good to have you with us. I'm here at Riverwind. We've got Brandon Drum coming up, 
and uh, he's going to talk a little Sooner recruiting. Big uh, get for the Sooners running back Caleb Hicks out of Denton Ryan, uh, committed early in the week. That pushes Oklahoma's commitment total to what uh, seven, I believe it is, for 2023 and up nationally. I think they were 27th uh, nationally. We'll talk to Brandon about that. Jake Bennett gets the Aggies in order in the bottom of the first inning. So in Omaha, Oklahoma leads Texas A&M one to nothing through one inning in Game One of the College World Series. I'm here at Riverwind. You're right out there in Radio Land. Thank you for being there. We'll get to more texts coming up as well. We've got Brandon Drum coming up next here on The Ref. Well, Omaha's been good to the Sooners so far through one inning. Oklahoma leading Texas A&M 1-0 in uh, Omaha. Sooners and the Aggies' first game out. Real quick, right before we get to Brandon here in just uh, 60 seconds, uh, good rounds today out of the U.S. Open for Scotty Scheffler, Brooks Kepka, and Sam Burns, all firing three under par 67s. So as you look at the re- leaderboard right now, Colum Terran, the uh, Englishman, is your leader. Still out there, though. He's at four under par. Nick Hardy, Scotty Scheffler, Brian Harmon, Joel Damon at three under par and a four-way tie for second. Sam Burns, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Adam Hadwin, Hayden Buckley, Matthew Neesmith, at two under par, David Lingmurth, Colin Morikawa, Aaron Wise at two under par. Rory is back to one under par. He uh, has bogeyed two of the first three holes. John Rahm even through four today. Uh, Brooks Kepka with a nice round today, though, coming back with uh, to even par. Top 20 is going to play, obviously, the weekend. Uh, three under par, 67 for Brooks Kepka today. Phil is going to be... Uh, well, he's out of there. Phil with a three-over round of 73 today, shot 78 yesterday, plus 11. Obviously, Phil is not going to make the cut. Doesn't look like Taylor Gooch is not going to make the cut, plus five uh, after two rounds. Victor Hovland blew up today with a 77. He won't play the weekend, former Oklahoma State Cowboy. Chris Goddard up the sooner uh, will be teeing off. In fact, he probably just teed off his first hole today in round two. Needs to shoot even par better. Uh, maybe even go one under to make the cut. But that is your updates from the U.S. Open Championship. Brandon Drum joins us, 247sportsouinsider.com. Tell us about Caleb Hicks. When you uh, when you watched him play, what, uh, what former Sooner running back does Caleb Hicks remind you of? He committed to Oklahoma, obviously, earlier in the week. Uh, oh, man, that's a good one. Uh Jeez, Mike, and put me on the spot with that idea. I, I guess I mean he's a mixture of kind of a kind of a Demarco slash. I guess maybe like a like a Brennan Clay type of kid. Mm-hmm. I guess I mean which we all know both those guys balled out at Oklahoma. So uh, I think Oklahoma fan look. Oh, he's one of the better running backs in the country. I think you're going to see him continually creep up the rankings as his senior year goes on. And he's he was kind of that kid, I guess. I watched him play as a sophomore and thought, you know, he was really impressive. But, you know, they kind of, as Kendall Pettis just gets beamed right now. So now man on first, man on second. But, uh, yeah, they, they – uh, he he kind of got better and better and better, got more fluid in his movement. Uh, you could kind of 
see that he was his speed got better, so his strength. Uh, and as that happened, you started seeing the Alabamas of the world, the Oklahomans of the world. Basically, everybody started going after him. And, and you, you want, if you're Oklahoma, you want to get into Denton Ryan. You want to continue to grab kids out of that because it becomes a pipeline. For the longest time, Oklahoma struggled to get into Denton Ryan. Now, ever since Billy Bowman went through there, uh, you know, it, it's kind of the floodgates have opened and. Oklahoma now has a way into that, uh, you know, program that is one of the better programs in, the, in all of Texas. So uh, it's a big get for a variety of reasons. And then when you add in Anthony Hill being a teammate, a really close friend of his, along with Anthony Hill being really close with Billy Bowman, I think you've got to think Oklahoma's chances got a little bit better. I'd still lean towards Texas A&M, but I think, you know, it's got a little better the chances to land the five-star linebacker. Yeah, and he is the uh, number one linebacker in Texas, uh, you know, one of the top three or four nationally, and uh, also with Dent Ryan, as you mentioned. And uh, people seem to think that A&M kind of has the inside track right now, but Oklahoma uh, maybe uh, running second there and maybe with Alabama on the outside down the stretch? Uh, yeah, I think I, I would I would think it. I think it's an OU uh, he's at USC right now on an official visit, but I think it's an OU uh, Texas A&M battle, much like David Hicks. So I think, but on the flip side, I kind of I kind of lean towards Oklahoma with David Hicks right now. And I, that's not to say I think Oklahoma is leading at this point. I would probably lean just because I think at the end of the day, I think Hicks is going to look at the thirty you know D linemen that they have on campus at. A&M and go, yeah, I have probably a better chance of going and play. And plus, you're going to learn from Venables. You're going to learn from Todd Bates, Miguel Chavis. They've been known to develop some pretty good defensive linemen over the years. Uh, you got to trust that, uh, the relationship he has with Todd Bates. So I think I think come January, I don't know. It's just my gut feeling right now in you know June. But it's early, long time before he has the, he's going to make a decision. But I, mean, I think he's going to announce at the Under Armour game. So it's not going to be till January that we actually get the official uh, where he's going to go. So as far as David Hicks goes, so I, right now I, I kind of lean towards uh, Oklahoma at the end of the day, just because of all that. And again, uh, Anthony Hill Jr. You said he's at Southern Cal this weekend. I think it's Texas yeah. next week for him, for Anthony Hill Jr. And visited uh, Oklahoma on uh, Champion Barbecue weekend. Okay, uh, Cade McIntyre, also recent uh, commit for OU. Let everybody in on what you think about Cade McIntyre. Yeah, he's a guy I think Oklahoma likes the idea of tight end right now for him. Uh, they've been talking to him about it. He basically will be able to play wherever he wants because he's a really good athlete. He's a really good football player. Everybody around Norman seems to be really high on him. They, there's not a lot of doubt in that take at all. And I know Oklahoma fans look at that and they go, man, you know, he's just not a guy that <clears throat> Oklahoma fans are used to seeing Oklahoma take. But Brent Venables, if you go back and watch how Clemson was built, if you go back and watch how Oklahoma built themselves up when Brent was through the early years of his career, and even in the latter part, they took a lot of those project guys were, that were really just really good athletes, really good football players, and when they got to Norman, they found the best position for him. And you saw a lot of those guys become 
big time players, all Big Twelve caliber NFL type guys, whether it was Austin English, Brody Eldridge, Dan Cody. I mean, you're looking at all these guys, and that's Cade fits that mold. That six four, two hundred and fifteen pound frame that looks like it can add another thirty pounds, forty pounds, and still be able to keep that quickness, that agility, that athleticism, and you're going to take those guys all day and twice on Sundays if you're Brent Venables because you can bring them in and they can fit a variety. I mean, he could be end up being a defensive end. He could be a tight end. He can, he can, heck, I mean, he can do a lot of different things. H-back, I mean, so many different things that Kate McIntyre can do. And even linebacker, maybe a stand-up house, a linebacker. It all depends on what you want him to do in your system. Uh, he can do a variety of things, and that's kind of the idea with him right now. I think they're leaning towards tight end, but they're going to let whatever his body grows into decide where he's going to play. So I like the pickup. Sooners, Oklahoma is just raking right now. Two zip and four. There four we zip. go. This, yeah, now Oklahoma four nothing. Over Texas A&M in the top of the second. The Sooners are rolling. And it looked like you I've got mine on the app, so you're a little ahead of me, Brandon. You, you had the two runs crossing the plate before I did, but, yeah, 4 nothing now, yeah. Oklahoma. Great for the Sooners, the big USC time. Clutch. cheering on OU. That was interesting. <laughs> really? <laughs> we, got a, we got a USC what? football jersey in Omaha. Yeah. Oh, wow. And That's he was crazy. cheering and clapping and high-fiving. And <laughs> Oh, man, that's crazy. Just just the seeing eye base hit there drives in, He's too. wearing a Sanchez right. jersey is what it looked like. Oh, really? What was Sanchez yeah, at six. SC? Was he? Yep. Yeah, he was number six, wasn't he? All yep. right, uh, what do you think, uh, Sooner fans, do they feel like uh, they've been pacified somewhat with the uh, the two recent commitments, and particularly, you know, they they wanted to see – Somebody besides a three-star, and I know that Jackson Arnold got his five-star about three weeks ago, but uh, I think seeing that four-star for Caleb Hicks, <laughs> you know, kind yeah, of uh, cool, got some people calmed down. It, right? Yeah. Well, I, look, no I doubt. tell everybody, I think, I think July 8th is going to be really fun for Oklahoma fans. I'll leave it at that. I think you're going to get a high-level hmm. lineman that day. Uh, I've already got okay. the ball put in. Wow, Oklahoma's about to go up five nothing, uh, and uh, look, I think July twenty third. I, I I think Peyton. I don't have a crystal ball put in for him, but I think Peyton Kirkland is leaning Oklahoma pretty heavily right now. You got to watch out. Here's the thing: you got to watch out for because he's going to Miami, uh, or he's going to Michigan State. Then next week he's going to Miami, and then to Texas A and M. His mom's moving to Houston. You know, Texas A&M with the mall moving to Houston, that could be kind of a, a hiccup in Oklahoma's chances. But he's never visited A&M before, so that would be the one time he's visited. He's spent a total of like six or seven days in Norman already. Uh, love it, loves it. Uh, he, he's obviously close with Derek LeBlanc, the five-star defensive lineman out, out of uh, Orlando, Kissimmee, Osceola High School. And... Uh, you know, look, uh, Oklahoma, I would tend to lean towards with Oklahoma there for Derek LeBlanc as well. I mean, he's only visited Oklahoma six times since January 26th. So you have to like the Sooners' odds there. 
Uh, I mean, uh, I and he's not going to announce till October. Talking about LeBlanc, uh, Kirkland, four-star offensive lineman out of Orlando, Dr. Phillips High School, is going to announce on July 23rd with his teammates. I really like Oklahoma's chances right now with him. Like I said, I think in July you can end up with Picciotti, a uh, linebacker out of Pennsylvania. Uh, you could end up with a variety. I think Oklahoma can end up with four or five more commits in the month of July and really have going into the, like like Parker and I talked about, looking, you know, 11 or 12 commits going into the season. And I think after that, it could even more. I think you could be looking at Jacoby Johnson, four-star athlete DB out of Mustang, Oklahoma, and he's a guy I think is going to skyrocket up the rankings uh, as he continues to play better uh, and, and get some more film out there, uh, I, I don't know. I think I think this class has a chance to be between five and ten when it's all said and done, and maybe even mm, better. Interesting. If they continually, if they if they land who they feel they're going to land, I really do. I, I I think this class has a chance to be really really good, and I think twenty twenty four has a chance to be really special. Honestly, I think you got David Stone. You got T.A. Cunningham. You've got a couple of guys that Oklahoma's really, really in on right now that they have a chance to, that are just big name, five star guys that they have a chance to pull in because they've been recruiting them starting at a young. I mean, Jalen and Bakway is coming back in July for a visit, five star DB out of Alabama. Uh, you got uh, KB on Henderson, who he said continuously, Oklahoma leads. He's going to be back again. Uh, five-star defensive end out of the Alabama area. I mean, Oklahoma is starting to pick and choose like like they did at Clemson. This staff did at Clemson. I think that's what people need to understand. It just didn't happen right. snap of the finger. They worked and worked and worked, and then that culture started working in their favor. Oklahoma's got some of these NIL deals going now with the one Oklahoma and I think the Boom Squad or whatever. So I think you've got more and more things working in Oklahoma's favor as far as the NIL. You've got a lot of things that are that's happening that weren't happening in February. Add the facilities that it looks like they're starting to get done with the Bud Wilkins Center, Center being demolished and all the new stuff that you know, you talk to recruits and they say they get to see the they've got to see, you know, what yeah. it's gonna look yeah. like. And they say it looks it's amazing. big time. So and we yeah. talked about it was going to be kind of a marathon, not a sprint for OU, and it may be not the end of the marathon, uh, but you know it uh, you know, some commits, some big ones coming in past the halfway mark or whatever. It's looking that way. Yeah. Hey, Brandon, we got to run. Great stuff. I'm out of time, buddy. But yeah, uh, you, sir, are an awesome Friday guest. Great info, and we will talk to you next week. All right, thank you, Mike. Brandon Drum joining us. Five nothing, Oklahoma. They are uh, they are laying it on Texas A&M in uh, the second inning in Omaha. We got a break right here. Come back. Some final thoughts from Riverwind on a Friday right here on The Ref. Man, the Sooners are all over Texas A&M, 8 to nothing. Mike Lupica is probably on his computer already. I mean, come on. The Sooners are dominating this game in Omaha. The Jimmy Cooks three-run homer is 8 to nothing. Man, the Sooners have broke this thing open. Yeah, it's it's been an incredible uh, 
you know, start for Oklahoma. You couldn't ask for uh, a better start for OU and a bigger disaster for Texas A&M because, um, you know, there's still a lot of baseball left to be played, but, man, A&M has got to be just, you know, it's like the boxer who gets hit with a standing eight count within the first 30 seconds of a fight, you know. So, and with Jake Bennett on the mound, again, uh, got to feel very comfortable when you've got an eight-run lead, and, uh, again, it's college baseball, um, you know, it might end up being 16-12, to 12, but I doubt it the way the Sooners are playing right now. They're on a roll, and they're just, they just are doing things, a timely hitting, and, uh, you know, the hit and run you talked about early on, that was a perfect, perfect execution just early in the game. The little things like that add up. Okay, I'm here at Riverwind Casino, ladies and gentlemen. I'm always on the go. This old man is always on the go. There's no stopping. And tomorrow night, if you like good music and great food and uh, food trucks that have anything that you desire, it's all going to be here tomorrow night at Coupe Works Beats and Bites 2022 here at Riverwind Casino, show number two. I was at the first show, which was great. That was Starship and Night Ranger. They had an unbelievable crowd. There'll be a really good crowd tomorrow night out here to see Everclear, Sister Hazel, and Deep Blue Something. And the tickets are only 5 bucks a piece. You cannot beat that price. That is a bargain. That's the biggest entertainment bargain you're going to get right now is getting to see three really good bands for 5 bucks Outdoors, bring your folding chairs, activities for the kids, all the best local food trucks will be out here at Riverwind again tomorrow night for this show. And uh, retail vendors, it's going to be a great time. And then they've got two big shows in July as well. Randy Rogers Band, July 9th. And then uh, on July 30th, it will be Scotty McCreary. And by the way, after the Randy Rogers Band show on July 9th, they'll have a fireworks spectacular. And you know that the Riverwind Fireworks Show is unbelievable. So... Riverwind Casino, simply the best. I'll be out here doing my streaming show a little bit later, paying attention to the Sooners A&M matchup and the U.S. Open. And uh, Oklahoma just absolutely dominating Texas A&M early in this game in Omaha. Man, you you get that first game. That's the, key uh, right there, column. the first game That's in big. Omaha. That's big. Hey, and that, I'm, I'm not trying to jinx anything, but if OU keeps this thing going, comes out with the win, if Texas beats Notre Dame, we get OU and Texas in the second round. Now, that's going to mm-hmm. be fun. That would be fun, no doubt about it. And uh, OU-Notre Dame would be interesting, too. But uh, Oklahoma-Texas, I'd rather play Texas than Notre Dame. I wonder but when's the last we'll time see. two teams have met in the college or in the Women's College World Series and the Men's College World Series in the same year. I don't know. That's a really good question. Really good question. All right, we are about out of time, ladies and gentlemen. But, yes, the Sooners are rolling against Texas A&M with an early 8 nothing lead over the Aggies in the second inning in Omaha. All right, we got to get out of here. Locked in is coming up next. Everybody have a fabulous Friday and a better weekend. We'll see you Monday. Take care.